Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Victory Motherfucking Drive. God dang, it's nice to see you guys again. And by see, I mean you hear me, not I see you. So, anyways... On to the episode, we have on Perry Batten. You guys know Perry Batten from um previous episode that me and him recorded together. And also, you probably know him from Drury Outdoors. He is, he is kind of a do-it-all guy. He records for Mark Drury. He manages Mark's farms. He does all sorts of shit. But he is a great dude. He really He's a big gun guy, a lot like me, um, where, you know, it's just fun to kind of sit down and talk cartridges and all that good stuff and talk gun stuff with someone that understands it and loves it just as much as like I do. So on this episode, we kind of get into the weeds a little bit. We talk about some interesting topics. I think it's fun because we really dive in and figure out what Perry Batten likes, like what his favorite personal cartridge is. And I think you guys might be kind of surprised at what he picked to be his favorite cartridge. And I know I guessed it, but still kind of surprising. Um, but Perry's a great dude. You guys know him and love him already, but it's always fun to sit down, talk to him, and catch up and see how life is going. Um, so that is the episode. And also, I'm going to make this really brief, guys. So uh, Mountain Ops, code VICTORY, 20% off. Buy some Mountain Ops shit. Get healthy. Get strong. Get ready for the season. It Actually, well, season's already here. So if you're not ready yet, then you're fucked. Get ready for next season. Start taking it now, in season, and get ready for next season. So Mountain Ops, code VICTORY, 20% off. Grizzly Coolers, good shit. Great coolers, great drinkware. Code WCB, 15% off. Go to grizzlycoolers.com, look at what they got, and, um, you know, just buy a cooler. I don't know. That's a really bad plug. It's like, I'm just telling you guys, go buy a fucking cooler. But Grizzly Coolers really is good really good shit made right down the road in Decorah, Iowa. Great dudes, great people to work with and they make high quality shit. And, um, yeah. So once again, code WCB 15% off 
Africa, August 26th through September 3rd. All right. 2024, obviously. Um, you can contact me on Instagram or email victor at gmail.com. If you guys have any questions about Africa, hit me up. Let me know what you got questions for. I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't know for sure about pricing. Uh, I think it's right going to be right around five animals for like that five thousand to six thousand dollar range, maybe somewhere around there. I don't know exactly a hundred percent on what it is, but it is a damn good deal. And I, if you contact me on Instagram or on this post on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, whatever, um, I can reach out and get those prices for you guys. It is a gun or bow camp. All right. So if you want to go out there with your gun, go out there with your bow, or you want to go out there and borrow your PHS bow or borrow a gun or not their bow, their gun, or you want to borrow a gun from Stuart, we can arrange some stuff. Let me know what you want to do. We can figure it out. Um, Stuart is very, he's very easy to work with. So if you guys are curious about Africa, go ahead. Let me know. We can get you marked down on the calendar. And August 26th through the September 3rd, Those are that's my week. So if you want to hunt with me, that's when I'm going. If you don't want to hunt with me, then you can go in any of the other weeks with uh, Kurt, Eric, Doug, whoever else is going to go to Africa and partake in that. So if you don't like me, go with someone else. But just go to Africa because I think you guys would really love it. It is an absolute blast of a time. It's an all-around good time, hunting, drinking, eating, cutting it up with like-minded individuals. I think it's an awesome time. And the money, yes, the money might seem a little high at first, but when you compare it to going to like um, on an elk hunt where you're getting one animal and, you know, it's very comparable. All right, Stuart really tries his best to keep the prices down, and it's very, very comparable to North American guided hunts. So... Uh, yeah, enough on Africa. Let me know if you want to go. Wyoming Bear Camp, May 27th through the 31st. Oh, Memorial Day weekend. All right. So you get one, if you're a working man and you get some PTO and you're not a child working at their first job. Um, actually that was very rude. Some people don't get PTO, but if you do get PTO, then you probably get holidays off in Memorial Memorial Day is a holiday, so you get that day off. So that's one free day to go to Wyoming and hunt bears. So May 27th through the 31st, um, Devin Leonard's going to be there too. Man, the guy with the whitest teeth in the West, the coolest hair in the West. Um, Great dude. Devin Leonard is a fucking great guy. Such a joy to be around. Super nice dude. Um, you guys have heard him on the working class bow hunter podcast, but if you go during that time, we will be ripping out podcasts and we will be ripping them out with you guys that are in bear camp. And last I checked, there are only four spots available in Wyoming. So once again, if you are interested in Wyoming bear camp, hit me up on Instagram, Google, Google fucking dumbass email, which is Victor drive pod at gmail.com um if you want have any questions about it let me know hit me up see what we can do um start setting money aside now and save up for it and it's gonna be a great time and uh also that's gonna be it yep 
So on to the episode, guys. Thanks for sticking with me on this stuff, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I had a lot of fun with Perry. He's always a good guy to have on, just a fucking great guy. So hope you guys enjoy it, and uh, yep, see you on the next one, I guess. Peace. So Perry, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier, and you said you were uh, busy watering and watering food plots. But um, I didn't realize Missouri season starts up already for you guys, like next week, huh? Yeah, September fifteenth. So this Friday, we'll uh, we'll dive into Missouri and and hopefully put some deer down with a with a bow and arrow here. It's always uh, it's it's kind of fun to get ahead of the game early and we you know october 1st here in iowa but we got uh i think six or seven missouri farms down there so we can we can have some fun early and and uh fight the heat (laughs) yeah your guys's uh missouri early season has been pretty successful from at least from what i've seen on like 13 and stuff yeah no doubt we're always we're always pretty successful but we plant a lot of green fields down that country so once those beans start to defoliate, which they're, you know, anyone's been driving around and seeing the bean fields going to, going to, from green to yellow, those deer go to a, a green food source somewhere and normally uh, they come come straight to us. So Nice. What do you plan for green food sources mostly? Is it- uh, I would say majority are radishes or a winter bulb or a last bite mixture. Oh, okay. So- Last bite is that like just kind of is that like a clover blend? Or yes, it is? yes. Okay. Last bite, yeah. Last bite's uh, wheat, rye, winter bulb, and clover. There's a couple other things in there too, but that's the uh, you know majority of it. So okay, in our um, I don't know. I, I'm not a farmer or food plot expert. But what, what is, are they? Uh, they come back every year, like the, the winter wheat and stuff. Is it like clover where it comes back year after year? And you just mow so it down if you want no, that is not. So if you okay. want to establish a clover field, that's a good way to, you know, begin the clover process because that winter wheat comes up and kind of protects your clover, and then you'll mow that wheat off come springtime, and you should have a clover field. And then if you maintain the clover, then yes, it will come. You know, be there every year. Oh, so. I gotcha. So then the like the last bite mixture just kind of if you want it to, it just kind of turns into a clover feel that point like after yes after correct. the initial planning okay cool well geez i mean so we're also talking earlier that this because in iowa we had a pretty bad drought but missouri didn't get hit too bad then it sounds like uh yeah we had a couple dry spells down there but we had some some storms in between to supplement um you know when we first planted we had like an inch and a half of rain that day uh, the day after, so they got off to a good start, and we had some some wet periods to keep them alive. But here in Iowa, it was a uh, definitely a little different. Dude, it is so bad this year. 
like, I'm, like I said, I'm not, I've never farmed in my life or really ever put like a food plot inside, like helping a buddy here and there, you know, but I've never, I don't know a whole lot about growing, but when that corn, when the, at least up here, when the corn started turning brown in like late August, I'm like, oh shit, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty abnormal. Like up, up in, in Northern Iowa, usually the farmers are out harvesting, um, basically throughout like throughout the whole month of October. And now it looks like they're probably going to be done with corn before October, before October even hits. So. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, it was dry. We got rains in the right times to make the corn crop and the bean crop, but then it got really dry after that. And they, uh, they're turning quick here. So yeah. I know there's some guys already, already harvesting. It's crazy. It's pretty nuts. I mean, I, I so, this year I got an early muzzleloader tag in for yep. Iowa. So it was my first year getting one and I'm honestly, I guess I timed it pretty well because it's going to be an interesting early season in Iowa. I think with not having any corn in pretty much. Definitely could benefit you. The last, uh, last year I didn't, but two years ago I killed a big, uh, eight pointer on a cut cornfield and they cut it the day that I killed him. They cut it about noon and got out of there. We drug a blind in, put it up, and it was just insane the amount of deer that were coming to uh to the cut cornfield. So Really? Man, yeah. That's gonna be pretty wild. It seems like a lot of the places that um well the places that I have private access to, uh they all it's a beanier for them this year. So that kind of blows, but I mean there's gonna be plenty of corn out in the area that I can tool around it and see what's going on. Especially in the, it seems like in, on public in the public land in Iowa, they like to keep corn on. It seems like, so definitely have to keep an eye on that. And I, I'm sure they're not going to harvest it, but sometimes they do in yeah. certain places. Definitely. If you can key in on one that's getting cut and have the wind to hunt it, you know, that evening or the evening after or something very, uh, recent to when it's cut, it can, it can be electric. I mean, there can be a lot of deer that show up that are norm, not normally in that area. So, mm -hmm. so, uh, working for jury outdoors and stuff, how does that kind of work? Do you like with, uh, I guess your, your personal tags, like, do you guys kind of talk about it beforehand, figure out like who's going to do what, or do you just, did you just do the early muzzler season that one year just to see what it's like or. Um, normally it's kind of based off what you're talking about or what we kind of pre-plan, you know, and I say pre-plan, but like two weeks out, we look at the weather, we look at, Hey, you know, is so-and-so going to be cutting this cornfield or, you know, are there deer frequenting this spot that are going to be leaving to go to a different destination field? And is it good, you know, in the days that we can hunt it with early muzz, then one of us will probably go buy an early muzz tag. So it's, you know, it's kind of, you know, pre-planned a little bit, but not, not very far in advance. Okay. And so I don't even know, but do you, does, does Iowa put a cap on the early muzzleloader tags or is it just residents can get it whenever they want kind of deal? I don't know that exact answer. I've never run into, I mean, the year, well, two years ago when I killed that, really hundred mid fifties, 150 inch eight pointer, um, Jeez. early mud. I didn't, uh, 
I just went in the day before and got it. Oh, did you? Um, yeah, I don't I don't know if they put a cap on it or not, to be honest. For residents, I would say very unlikely. There mm-hmm. might be a cap in the, in the county, you know, that you're hunting in, but mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people even – I don't think some people even know about it, let alone utilize it. Right, yeah. I mean, I, I knew about it, um, but I just haven't ever tried it. I've always gone late muzzleloader just because – you get a little more time and I've been, yep. at least since I've gotten out of the army, I've been busy bow hunting during that time. And I'm like, I just want to focus on bow hunting because I'm learning how to bow hunt and it's interesting. And I'm just going to focus on doing that. But this year I was like, you know, I really want to try that early muzz and see what that's all about. For sure. I'm excited for it. It's going to be a good time. I just have a CVA wolf for my muzzle loader, but I'm pretty stoked to get out there and try it out this year. Heck Yeah. Have you only gone once? Giant. Yeah. Uh, No, I, uh, I mean, up here, I'm trying to think. Early muzzleloader season. That would have been my first early muzzleloader season that I've been in Iowa. Um, Wade and I both got tags that year and both killed big deer. So. Was that on 13? Was that one on the show or is that? Probably. I, think, I would have to go back and look. <laughs> kind of, for some reason, I, re- I think I remember seeing that. Could have been, yeah. Nice. Was it not? Yep. Yep. Well, that is, I'm pretty excited about that. And I mean, you guys are going to start killing real soon. So that's going to be really exciting to keep up to date with and see how you guys do. Heck yeah. I hope it's soon. I'm ready. Yeah. Right. Oh, I do you have uh, Missouri tags too, or? Oh yeah, you do. Yeah. Awesome, that's gonna be yeah. sick. But uh, so since we're talking about Missouri, because Missouri has uh, rifle season as well, right? It's a actual like center fire rifle season. Yes. Do you usually partake? I have partaked in Missouri rifle season. I was trying to think about this how old I was because I grew up in Southern Illinois, but I was only 45 minutes from the Mississippi river. So I could jump over to the Missouri side real easy. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate enough to have two of my dad's, uh, good friends that are, were very influential in my hunting life to begin it because my dad wasn't a very big hunter much at all. Um, and so they lived in Missouri. And so I would hunt with a local guy in Illinois but Missouri's dates and seasons are different. So I was hunting two states even, heck, back when I was eight, nine years old. Oh, really? So I was, yeah, I was blessed in that aspect. You know, I was shooting deer in Illinois with a with a 12-gauge slug gun and then uh, going over to Missouri and hunting with center fires. So. Dude, that's pretty badass. I, I think I went on my first out-of-state hunt when, like, just a few years ago. And I was pretty stoked about that, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, I was it, I was blessed to grow up there and, and have somebody to take me in Illinois and have some some very influential guys to take me in in Missouri. So that's awesome. So uh, we were talking a little bit um, a couple of days ago when we were kind of setting up this podcast episode, and I wanted to go over kind of our favorite deer size game 
cartridges, rifle cartridges. Well, actually, it doesn't need to be rifle, I guess. If a 12-gauge slug is your favorite, then that's awesome. But it, It's not. It's <laughs> okay. not. <laughs> I don't know anyone that would pick that over what we have now, but um, I do kind of, I want to guess. Is it just, is it a 243? It is. It is? It. Nice. Yep. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. Maybe it's because uh, when we were talking about coyotes and stuff, you were like, really big on a 243 for coyotes. I wonder if that's his favorite deer cartridge too. It is. Yeah. And like I said, I was a little, I was blessed that, you know, Gino and uncle T were the two guys that took me deer hunting over in, in Missouri. And, and I grew up with them and they were, you know, back in that time, it would have been 2003, 2004. And in my opinion, they were a little against the grain back then. You know, I felt like every deer camp, everyone was shooting, 30 out six or grandpa's 30 30 or you know 300 wind mag or a seven mil you know those are the big <laughs> those were the big cartridges back then and, oh, yeah. and they're all that you know i'm not knocking any of them they all have their place and purpose but these guys were like against the grain in their time because they were really fascinated with smaller bullets and fast flat shooting rounds you know they mm-hmm. were shooting 264s and 243s and 270s and you know, back then that I didn't know any, you know, I was young. I didn't know any better. I was like, yeah, sure. This, this is great. But as I got older and, you know, went in the service and learned a lot more, like I know now, you know, I was like, man, back then those guys were, those guys were different than the normal, you know? Oh yeah. So I was kind of blessed to, to be, uh, influenced by that, if you will, at that age. And as I grew up, you know, looking at cartridges that have come out in the time that I've been alive, you know, I always sat down and looked at, you know, what's that ballistic chart look like? What's it, what's it doing at 300? Why is it dropping that much? You know, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just in, just for shooting deer. And I also love to look at recoil. Like that's a big thing for me because I always want to be able to put it in my wife's hands or if I take a youth hunter, they can shoot it just as well as I can. And Mm-hmm. That 243 from a from a recoil standpoint and just a overall, you know, speed and knockdown. And I don't I don't think you get any better at in that day and age. You know, when I was there, I didn't think you got any better from just shooting whitetail deer. So right, you know, and I've never been. Uh, I've actually never even shot 243, which is kind of embarrassing because it is an awesome little round. <laughs> I think, but um, I just growing up in Iowa and stuff, and I didn't really shoot rifles until I got in the army. So I was shooting, you know, five five six and seven six two by yes. fifty four, you know, or I was shooting the, all the all the NATO cartridges. But I never really got into a lot of rifle shooting before I joined the army. Besides my twenty two and shotgun, is pretty much all I had. Um, but looking at like once I started getting more and more into guns, especially rifle shooting, that two forty three is pretty tough to beat. It's a fast little round, and the recoil management on it is insane. I think, which is like it doesn't. I think it's one of the. It's got to be one of the lightest recoiling rounds that you can take deer hunting. For sure, yeah. It's it, it could be the lightest, honestly. I'd have to look at a chart, but it's definitely the top three. I would I would guess. So yeah, I'd have to I'd have to guess that too. And this is kind of it's an iconic round. I mean, um, oh, what is that? That Whiskey Myers song, "Ballad of the Southern Man." He's like, my first oh, yeah. rifle yeah. is a two forty three. 
Yeah. You know, there's like, there's a, there's songs about a two forty three. There's not songs about, you know, like a six, five Creed more, you know? So yeah, <laughs> yeah. the old six, five. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they'll make some songs like that a little bit later. It's it. Like my Honestly, song. if you, if you break it down and, you know, study a ballistic chart on a six, five and a two forty three, they just kind of remade it. Honestly, you know, yeah. lengthen it up a little bit, put a little bit heavier grain bolt in the front. And, you know, it, it didn't do much for me. And that, and that's the reason <laughs> Yeah, you're a six, five hater. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a hater, but I'm not a, uh, I'm not a pro six, five by any means. Yeah. Six, five Creedmoor, let's say, I think the six, five PRC, you know, is a, is a much different talking topic than the Creedmoor. So it is, I'm not a hater, but I'm not going to go buy one when I have, well, let's see. One, two. I have three, two forty-three. So right. <laughs> I don't. I don't need the six-five creed. More. Right. Now, I guess I didn't mean six-five hater as in a derogatory sense. I meant it more as like a, you know, when I think when I when I see Perry Batten, I see old school cartridges like a two forty-three or something like that. I, but yeah. it's like a six-five creed. More. I just honestly like. So I had a six-five creed more for a little while, but that that's only because I did the that hunt wars show and they put me on pronghorn rifle hunt and i didn't have a rifle so i went to is during the ammo shortage so i went to fleet farm and they had a shit ton of six five creedmoor there so i'm like well i guess that's what i'm getting so but i have since yeah during, i have since sold it during, but yeah during the pandemic that's about the only thing you could find which is which was weird it was weird and Every, when it when it, oh. when it blew up like it went crazy it did you know so yeah and I think it's kind of, it's kind of hit its peak, and I think it's coming back down. You know, you don't hear a lot about it anymore. And well, I, I think, th- I think this PRC, the six five PRC, was honestly like, when you look at it ballistically and stuff, especially, it's like it's just a far superior round, in my opinion. I feel like the the Creedmoor it was just it it became a thing for a certain purpose, and it did really well at that purpose. And then people are like, "This is pretty sick. Like, we just need to." use it for everything and it's just it was yeah. never it was never meant to be an everything cartridge like this the 65 prc is more is a much more well-rounded cartridge in my opinion yeah 100 percent, i agree especially when you dive into a ballistics chart and the biggest thing for me is like i have some buddies out west that are big elk hunters and outfitting and whatnot and uh you know if there's something new on the market you know everybody's like oh i want to go shoot an elk with it well, right. not all, not all. And I was like, Hey, you guys letting people shoot six, five Creedmoors. And they were like, Nope, they're not allowed in our camps. <laughs> so then I was like, well, okay, well, I'm on the same track as, as the smart people, if you will. <laughs> right. And don't get me wrong. I, I, I've, I mean, people have killed all with six, five Creedmoors. I'm sure if, uh, oh, yeah. I'm sure I'm confident in my abilities. I'm, I'm sure if I had one within my comfortable range of the six, five Creedmoor, I could put that bullet where it needs to be. Much like I feel like you could do the same thing, but no, when you're talking, no doubt about it. when you're talking the general population and these outfitters are seeing, you know, people that go out, maybe they go out and buy a gun like the week prior to the hunt and they put a, yes. maybe they put like <laughs> two or three rounds through it and they're like, yep, yeah, looks good. Let's yeah. go hunting. It's like, ugh. You, if you're going to do that, then you probably want to use a, a much bigger caliber that gives you a little bit more room for error, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Something with a something with a little more velocity and a lot more knockdown. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
But the 243s, that's always been interesting to me because I've kind of gone back and forth for what I want to get my daughter when she, because um, she's starting to get, she's 10 now, and she's starting to get into hunting more. And I really want to take her on a pronghorn hunt, like real bad. She went out to South Dakota with me, and we're hunting pronghorn with our, I, I was hunting with my bow and arrow, and she just went with, and she's like, this is pretty sick. Like, she just loves pronghorn now. So I really want, to, really want to get her a pronghorn rifle tag. And I was thinking, like, well, she could probably handle a 6.5 in a couple of years and stuff. But then I started thinking about the 243 as well. So I, I've been doing a, a lot more research on a 243 than I ever had before just because I'm really starting to lean towards a 243 for her first rifle. Definitely. I mean, it's I, I have no doubt that, you know, she'll be able to handle the recoil. And I think the, you know, the biggest thing, like I, the, the, uh, bullet grain differentiates so much. Like I was, they don't make them anymore, but Winchester was making a 55 grain in 243 and I was shooting it for Kyle and it was, just, oh yeah, it was lights oh, out, buddy. Dude, that it thing was just screaming. Yeah. I, Hold on one second. I got a box right here. <laughs> it's uh, 3910 at the muzzle. Jeez. So, <laughs> yeah, I was shooting them for Kyle. I have this this box that I just grabbed off my uh, table over here. It's the last box I have. And my Kyle gun is actually sighted in. My thermal gun is sighted in for that round currently. But uh, they don't make anymore, and I wish they would because for coyotes and anything varmint-wise, you know, if you're going to go varmint hunting, it is just lights out. Oh, yeah. But then you can you can bump up all the way. Like, if you're going to go pronghorn hunting, you know, here when I run out of this box, for coyotes, I'll probably bump up to a 95 grain, you mm-hmm. know, and you can go, you could go, you know, for pronghorns. They're so soft and pretty easy to kill, if you will you know, just a 95 grain PowerPoint will just do them in quickly. Oh yeah. Or, you know, if you need more, you know, go to, go to a, uh, expanding bullet, you know, like a deer season XP and a 95. Those are devastating. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, cause those, de- uh, cause those deer season XPs, those are, pr- those are like super fast opening, right? Like they, when they go, they're just like, yeah, they they've got a super ballistic. fast, right? Yeah, they got a ballistic tip on them, and they when they hit something, they're expanding. So. Are they? Uh, I can't remember. Are they bonded or? Do you know if they're bonded bullets or if they're all? They're not all copper, are they? I. The older ones were bonded bullets. The new ones, they're making copper impact. Uh, oh. So they're. They're probably all copper, if I had to guess. Yep, yep. Those, I mean, they sound like they'd be all copper. I yeah, assume. the new. I think they're the new copper impact XPs. Oh, that'd so be interesting. Yeah, I oh. mean, a ninety-five grain copper XP on a pronghorn. That thing's done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's one thing I've seen from and just heard from other people that have been pronghorn on. It's like the hardest part is getting close enough, right? Cause they're, they have such good eyesight and they'll, they'll get curious. And if you're rifle hunting, you know, honestly, you can, you can definitely get close enough. Even, especially like if you're out with a youth and stuff, you might have a, a blown start stock here and there. But, um, honestly, like when you're bow hunting them, it's fucking hard just because their eyesight is so good. 
But right. rifle hunting, it's like you want to get as close as you can with, especially if you're taking a youth out with you. But yeah, I've heard from so many people that with pronghorn, um, if you just base, if you touch them, then they're gonna go down. So yeah. Like, with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And plus, with your daughter, I mean, if you take her to the range and get her shooting good, 243 is so flat. I mean, you're talking her holdover for shooting at 200 yards, you know, if, if you feel comfortable, she can make it. She does it at the range. You're talking like two inches, inch and a half. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, it's, you know, she, all you got to do is say a mid body instead of, you know, right behind the shoulder. And it's, it's going to be there. So, yeah. but yeah, that, it's a, it's a flash shooting little sucker is what it is. Yeah, it is. And, uh, so why did you, I mean, you probably don't know why, but they stopped making a 55 grain. I feel like that was a pretty popular cartridge for um, predators. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know why they quit making it. If, if it wasn't popular on their end or if, uh, if people are going, I know a lot of guys that are coyote hunting these days are shooting. They're, they're really sticking to like 75 grainers. Um, oh. 85s and 75s are like kind of the big, the big grain right now to be shooting. Hmm. So I don't, I don't know. I wish I could find somebody that's, if anybody's listening to this podcast and got a bunch of Winchester 55 grain and 243, uh, get a hold of me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dude, I, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know why they're switching. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I've heard that from a couple different predator hunters I've talked to because, um, up here, a lot of the guys up here shoot, uh, 243 as well. They have like, I have one, I know one guy, he's got one in like an AR platform, 243. Yep. And I'm like, dude, that's pretty sick. That's what my thermal gun is. It's a AR platform in 243 with a can and a thermal on it. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah it's I, don't, fun. I don't know where this guy got his can, but it doesn't look, it doesn't look like a, like a, <laughs> it doesn't look very legit, but I don't know. If he, <laughs> it's uh, that's another. <laughs> That's another thing you could look into for your daughter. I mean, you're talking about taking even more recoil off of a gun mm-hmm. is uh is a silencer. Yeah. No suppressor. Yeah, I need to talk to I need to talk to Matt and get one going, honestly, because that is one thing I'd want to do. Um when she starts wanting to shoot like a right a bigger rifle, I definitely want to suppress it. Just because Yeah. I mean the when you're talking like a a, a little a little girl, you know, especially like the noise yep. and the recoil all together, it's like, oh, I can, I can definitely see her because she's, she's, she's a great, great girl. But when it comes to certain things, she does get kind of freaked out, and she was kind of scared of shooting guns um, at first. But I did get her; I just got her a little twenty-two, a little savage rascal, one of those single-shot bolt-action twenty-twos. Nice, and she, and she loves shooting that thing, so. That's pretty cool, but I do want to get her into a big, uh, like a big girl or a big, bigger gun. Like, I guess I yeah, call it a big sure. girl gun for her, but yeah, no, I definitely looking at two forty three. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I don't know. You know, two forty three is your safe bet for being above the uh, caliber restrictions in almost every state. Mm-hmm. Another another really really good round and flat shooter that kill a pronghorn super easy is twenty two two fifty. Oh, which yeah. was my which was my original coyote hunting rifle that I grew up with was a twenty two two fifty. Um they're they're an amazing flat shooter too in that in that same family of, of calibers, if you will. So mm-hmm. that yeah. all stems from them guys that took me deer hunting though back in the day that influenced me in a lot of ways. Those guys were just they were against the grain in their time and interested in i mean they were shooting they loved like 204 rugers and 22 swifts and just oddball cartridges that nobody was really messing with but those guys loved them and i think it was because they had already figured out the the flatter and faster was better than the big bulky and a you know a real loopy trajectory right (laughs) yeah and let's 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 also face it the the optics they had back then weren't exactly, you know, there, there wasn't any loop old CDS dials back then either, you know? Right. They're probably shooting exactly. like, they're probably shooting like fixed three power scopes or something. Right. Yep. So. No, that's awesome. Um, man, I never even th- really thought about the 22250, honestly, when it comes to bigger game like that, like pronghorn stuff. Yeah. You'd have to look at the, you know, look at, uh, what, uh, caliber restrictions they've got but mm-hmm. i never shot a deer with one i certainly could have i had the rifle to do it i had a it was just set up too well for shooting coyotes i, I was shooting 40 grain v maxes out of that thing and they were like like 4100 feet per second it was just nuts <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's crazy it a, yeah it was a crazy crazy setup and gun and i loved it i killed a lot of coyotes in illinois with that thing but yeah you could i mean i know it killed deer and certainly pronghorns so oh yeah i know a lot of guys like uh when i went to i went to south dakota earlier this summer to shoot prairie dogs with matt hoinez from silencer central and buddy sky sullivan and matt he brought out his 2250 and he had he had some issues with it but we did he did we did kill a couple prairie dogs with it before kind of started acting goofy and that thing freaking tore prairie dogs apart. Like, yeah. Literally, like, blew in half, dude. It's insane. Yeah. Like, it was more devastating than, like, the uh, like the two two threes that we were shooting as well. Yep. It was crazy. But I'm assuming it's just because it's, I mean, it's screaming so fast. Yeah, for sure. Even if you bump up to, like, a, you can even bump up to, like, I think they make 80 grainers for it, 85s. Oh, really? But they're still they're still in the upper three thousand, like thirty eight hundred type. So yeah, that's, they're they're flying. That's, that's fast. But you can't yeah. you can't use them on elk. You you can use a two forty three on elk, right? I mean, I've heard I I'm, I've can, heard of people using two forty threes on elk. Yeah, certainly. I mean, if you that's what you wanted to go do, certainly. I mean, just like you said earlier. You know, you're confident in your shooting and myself as well. If you put that bolt in the right spot, it's going to have no issues. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just whether you feel comfortable if you've got to make that, let's call it a 350-yard shot. You know, your energy's 
you know, cooling down a little bit on that T43, where if you jumped up to a, you know, 6A Western or 6.5 PRC, you could, you know, you got that energy carrying out mm-hmm. at that distance. So, right. But yeah. if you're confident, you're going, you're going to wherever in the mountains and, you know, it's going to be thick. You're going to be in a valley and you're going to shoot an elk at 110 yards well, all day, you know? Mm-hmm. So. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd ever, that's a, that seems like a really small cartridge for an elk, but <laughs> I think I'd probably, I think I'd rather go out with like a, like a six, eight Western or something, which is, that's a whole nother thing with the six, eight Western thing. It seems like such a cool round, but I almost feel like Brownie and Winchester kind of, well, not necessarily Winchester, I guess, but Browning. I think Browning, they came out with like the 270 fast twist not too long ago. Yeah. Does that seem, it seems a little counterproductive to me, but I don't know. Like it seems like the 6.8 was really starting to get going and then they came out with the 270 fast twist. I'm like, well, I guess we don't need a fucking 6.8 Western anymore. I would, I would agree. Um, you know, I, I never understand any uh, manufacturer, whether it's Winchester, Federal, you know, you name them all. They're always producing something new before their new gets popular, if you will. You know, right. it's it's odd to me. I agree with that. And, you know, the only I haven't been around the 270 fast twist. I haven't been around a 6.5 PRC a lot, but I've been fortunate enough to use a 6.8 Western a lot, Mm -hmm. like 40, 50-ish deer killed with it, just myself. (laughs) Um, So, you know, it's, I guess, like, proofs in the pudding, if you will. You know, if I was given those rifles to play with as well and shoot and kill as many things as I have with the 6.8 Western, I could probably speak on a little bit more, but that 6.8 Western is absolutely, death yeah i mean it's, it is wicked yeah so. you you sent me a few of those uh videos of you putting down <laughs> putting down some does with that i'm like holy shit that is pretty wicked honestly like and i started looking into the 68 western a lot and like damn that's a really i think it's pretty cool around it's like you know a bigger 270 and you know, I had the faster twist rate barrels and stuff for it, so it can handle the bigger BC bullets and everything. I'm like, that's pretty. That's a pretty awesome change, I think. But definitely, and I mean, if you break down in a ballistic chart too, and you really dive into the round, like you're scratching at the door of a 300 wind mag ballistic mm-hmm. wise. You know, you're you're knocking on it, and and if you you know, just from my experience, when we first got it and shot it you had to be a man to shoot it. It was really loud and it had some recoil, but then we put, you know, banish 30 on it from silencer central. And it is, it's a dream to shoot. Oh yeah. It's, it calmed it down so much and it is actually pleasant to shoot now. And I would compare the recoil now to probably a little bit less than the 270, honestly. Oh really? It's, it, it tamed it back big time. Yep. Wow. Yeah, it's it's it is, is really amazing what those uh silencers do for recoil, honestly, and how and honestly how quiet they get. Because they I mean, if I'm not mistaken, don't quote me on it, but if I'm not mistaken, if you put a like a like a banish whatever caliber you have on any weapon you have, it makes it at, at the biggest round, doesn't it take it down to at least hearing safe? 
Or am I wrong? I, that? I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but just from my experience, not saying that this is a smart thing to do, but I have certainly <laughs> been next to Wade or Mark or anyone in our camp and they've shot a deer or shot on the range without ear pro in myself and been like, Oh, that wasn't too bad. You know? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, just R two hundred and seventy sounds like a seventeen HMR going off. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's and like the two hundred and seventy itself with a can on it, the recoil is is less than the two hundred and forty three. No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. I, can see I mean, it is just it's so tame. Yeah, it's 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 insane. I I don't know the percentage, but it, it's got it take it has to take off a significant amount, like at least 30, 40%, I'd say. I would, yeah, I would say at least, I would say somewhere around 50%, honestly, yeah. recoil loss. Because it's, so. it's, it's pretty ridiculous. And if you have it, if you have a 17 HMR suppressed, it's like, it's literally shooting a pellet gun. It's so insane. Yes. It's, it's so, it's so crazy what those things are, what they're doing with those things now. And it honestly makes me pissed that it's even part of the NFA as an NFA item, like that is so fucking crazy to me. Yeah, that's a whole other that's a whole another rabbit hole there. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what I got a question for you? What is your favorite fad round, if you will? Oh, my favorite fad round. Yeah, new and improved. Yep, new release round. What's your favorite? And it can be. It could be straight wall. It could be anything. You know, we live in Iowa, so we live in a little straight wall sometimes. So, mm-hmm. so um, damn. Okay. So, I do have a new favorite round, but uh, I might, my new favorite, I guess, fad round, this is me saying it without ever having a shot at, but the most interesting round to me right now that is like a new fad round is probably the 7 PRC. Yeah, that seems really that seems really interesting to me, just because it it seems like it's made at least like when you're looking at a ballistics chart, it seems like it's done enough to pull away from the seven rem mag. But um, like the three hundred PRC, I I don't know, I just don't know if that has that really did enough to pull away from the three hundred win mag. But I feel like the seven yeah. PRC it has done enough. I think it's powerful enough and. It's just ballistically a little bit better than the seven rem mag, and it's just enough. It's just enough to make me interested in it. But that's probably the yeah. most interesting fad round that I've seen come out recently. I think that's a solid pick. I think I think that's a challenge for every fad round, if you will. Is you know they're all based off of something that was made in the past. Oh, and yeah. they remade, you know, they remade it to make it better. Well, did they make it enough, you know, bigger enough, faster enough to set itself away from where it came from? Yep. You know, like you're talking about, is it far enough away from the 300 wind mag to make a name for itself? You know, cause mm-hmm. 300 wind mags tried and true, you know, you can't, <laughs> you know, it's killed. <laughs> How many thousands of animals oh my gosh. Know, across the world? You can you kill. Know? It'll kill everything besides dangerous game, like legally. It'll definitely right. kill dangerous game, but legally you can't use it. But 
Yeah. So, you know, that's the biggest thing with fat rounds is like the six, five Creedmoor, in my opinion, wasn't far enough away from a T 43 to make myself buy one. Yep. You know, it's, <laughs> so oh, yeah. those are the, <laughs> those are the lines. And I think that's awesome that you picked that one because it's setting itself apart from, you know, it's counterpart, it's old cartridge, if you will. Yep. And honestly, they got, um, I am still in, interested in like the, the six, eight Western, but it's just, it kind of, it, it honestly kind of bothers me that they came out with the two seventy fast twist right now when they just came out with the six, eight Western. So it's just kind of like, I don't know, but I've never really, but the six, eight Western did get me interested in that caliber. Cause I kind of, I've, I've always kind of skipped over the two seventy sevens. And been like, okay, I'm either going to go small or I'm going to go 30 cal or bigger, you know, or, yep. and I, I, I've piddled around and I've shot a, I've shot a few seven rim mags, but I've never, I haven't shot some PRC yet, but I don't know. I guess I've always kind of in my mind, I've always been, I was just always like 30 cals just cause I'm, I don't know. I feel like that's American. <laughs> I, feel like I'm, I feel like America's the land of 30 cals, but <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that that and that's fine. That's cool, you know. Everyone's got their thing, but that's that uh, old school, you mm-hmm. know, tried and true mentality. Yep. You know that I that I thought, you know, those guys back in the day in the early two thousands were like, you know, they were in their mid forties and older. You know, old to me, I was eight nine years old. They were old to me, and they were they were against the grain. They were shooting all these twenty cal and just loving it and i was like man when i as i started growing up and learning more i was like this stuff's awesome <laughs> yeah it is maybe that's also maybe i just kind of grew up like that too because i've always been like oh yeah i'm a fucking big tough guy i can take it you know but honestly it is so much fun especially if, after shooting like spend a day on the range shooting like a 300 win mag and then go out with like a 243 and you're just like, Oh my gosh, that is so much fun. Like it's just so much, it's just <laughs> like, it just seems like so much more fun to be on the range shooting those smaller cartridges. Cause it doesn't, like, I don't know. I can shoot all day. Like at my, I guess 22 or 22, 250 and that those kinds of rounds just cause I never shot 243. But I feel like that team of recoil, even up to like a six, five, like, uh, Creedmoor. I'm like, I could shoot my six five Creedmoor all freaking day. And I do see why people fell in love with it, just because. I mean, it, yeah, it was a is a decent cart, is a good cartridge, and it doesn't recoil very much. So it's like right. I can see why people going from like a, I don't know, going from like a whatever those long range guys were shooting before six five. What the fuck were they even shooting before six five? I was I never like your competition guys. Yeah. Oh, probably 308, honestly. That's the way I feel like. I feel like 308 is pretty popular, and then 6.5 came around, and just now everyone's shooting either a 6.5 or a 6-millimeter six, six arc or something. Yep. But, yeah, there's a lot of guys building 6-millimeter arcs for coyotes right now, which is awesome, but it's, you know, I don't know. Well, it's one of those things, too. Is it, <laughs> is it that Where do you much? draw the line on what to shoot a coyote with, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> I grew up shooting coyotes. <laughs> my first ever coyote gun, and I think the first coyote I ever killed, you know, like wild coyote hunting, was with a twenty-two mag. Yep. <laughs> and I shot it square in the brisket and dropped like a rock. And I was like, "Well, that worked." Sweet. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then then I 
you know, got a little older and was like, I need 22,250. And, you know, I don't think I can, even if I built, I want to build a, a carbon bolt gun for my thermal setup and hat instead of lugging around the, uh, AR platform because of the weight, but, uh, right, right. I think if I built a carbon bolt gun, I'd build it in 243 or 22,250. I don't think I'd jump to a, to a fad round, if you will, or a new, you know. Well, and also it's like, it seems like the, like the 243 and the 22250, it's like, they're also just, they carry like inherent accuracy with them, you know, like they just seem like really just solid little bullets. Yeah, for sure. What's okay. So, um, if we're talking fad rounds, what would be, I guess your favorite fad round? I, I would have to go with the six eight western. Would you? Honestly, yeah, I, I'd have to because I I honestly have never shot any of the fad rounds except that one. That's true. I mean, you're going with what you have experience with. That's probably the smarter yeah, decision. I just I just don't have <laughs> the the experience with a six five PRC or or seven or any 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 other you know a two seventy fast twist. I, I'd like to get my hands on one to see what it's like, but I haven't mm-hmm. yet. So, yeah, I'll tell you what I am super excited for. Perry is that I just bought a 30 out six, not too long ago. I got a Ruger M 77 Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. So it's got the old control around feed action, which I'm a huge fan of. And, uh, yep. so I just bought that is on, is for sale at uh, my local gun store. So I got that, and I put uh, I put on a Leupold VX5 HD, and I'm really excited to hunt with that this year. But what I'm really excited for is I need to find uh, a Smith, or I don't know, maybe it doesn't need to be a Smith, but I need to find someone that will rebarrel it because I want to rebarrel it for a 35 Whalen, like, okay. real bad. Yeah, yeah, because you know, so in Iowa we're no longer a straight wall state, right? Now you can use anything from 35 from 350 or 35 caliber to 50. So that means like a 35 Whalen is legal in Iowa now, even though it's not straight. Yeah. Right. So I've shot a 35 Whalen in a lever action gun. And yes, a beautiful round. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm very excited for it. So it's good. I, I have that same, same rifle though ruger uh in 270 oh do you yep seems like it's a pretty sweet gun i've yet to shoot because i just mounted my scope on it um yeah beautiful beautiful gun super accurate is it awesome yeah I'm, I'm mine, really mine's, a, mine's a tack driver hell yeah i'm actually gonna so. take that uh i'm gonna shoot it as a 30-06 for probably a year or two because i just i feel like it's also one of those things where i want to take it Take it out and take the old, the old American round out and shoot some stuff with it. Hopefully, you can get a bear in um, next spring and go take it to Africa and get some African plains game down with the old thirty out of six. Heck yeah! You know, so I have a funny, funny story. The first time I ever was uh, around the thirty out six, if you will, I was hunting in Missouri with those two gentlemen that that kind of birthed me into the hunting world if you will they they showed me so much stuff and and taught me so much but anyways those were the two that were so into shooting you know 243s and 264s and 270s they were the 
they were against the grain back then. And there was a guy that was in deer camp with us, a, a friend of one of theirs. And, you know, back in the day, deer camp, the traditional deer camp, everybody, you know, when you got there, you know, well, first everyone had to have a beer and then, you yeah, know, right. oh, what, what'd you bring to deer hunt with, you know? And, <laughs> and the funniest thing, this guy gets out of 30 out six. I don't remember what model or whatever it was. And I remember one of them looking at me and they said, well, we'll be helping him track tonight. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I'm eight or nine years old, you know, and, and I didn't really think anything of it. And sure as heck, he, uh, spine tingled one, I believe. And, and, uh, it got away and those guys, they rode him so bad about that 30 out six. So, Oh, that's funny. No, I I could see that, especially if, if he didn't shoot that, rifle like all the time because i mean the 30 out six it's it's a great round it's been around forever and is you know yes it's yes gosh it's i i honestly i did i've just done a lot of research on 30 out six because i just wrote actually i wrote an article for deercast kind of outline nice the old the old like it's going to be titled the venerable 30 out six so that's gonna be pretty cool whenever that comes out but uh heck yeah but I started doing a shit ton of research on the 30 out of six. I'm like, my God, like I knew it's been around forever and you can look at it and you're like, yeah, it's over a hundred years old and everything else, but you don't really realize what's happened in the gun, I guess, uh, industry in the past over a hundred years. It's insane. You're talking about the 30 out of six came from, they were still, they were shooting black powder, you know, like black powder, 45 seventies. And then they got the third in the army, uh, finally we found out that some French scientist created smokeless powder and we're all like, Oh man, that shit's pretty sweet. So we got 30, 40 crags and they didn't work worth the shit. So then, um, the army, the America decided to revamp and come out with a new cartridge and they came out with 30 out six after some testing. It's been around ever since basically since the dawn of smokeless powder, 30 out six has been around. So it's crazy yeah. to think about that. It's insane how long it's been around and the amount of bullet change you can make, you know, from, I don't even know how low in grains it goes down to, but you can get up to like 200 and mid 200 grain yep. bullets for that thing. It is insane. Yeah. So, um, I mean, Ernest Hemingway, he went to Africa and he took his Springfield, um, 1903 and 30 out six out there hunting. And he killed everything from, you know, he killed Kudu with his thirty out six. He killed a rhino with his thirty out six, and he killed Cape Buffalo with his thirty out six. So it's yeah. like that that pull, and I think he was shooting two hundred and twenty grain um, solids out of that thing. Yeah. So it's like, my uh, <laughs> my dad inherited my my grandpa was a marine, and my dad inherited inherited a. Eddie Stone uh, Enfield, oh. which is chambered, which is chambered in thirty out six, and I guess it would have been three years, uh, four years ago. In memory of my grandpa, I went on the on my dad and I's family farm and killed a a doe with it. Iron sights, flip up the whole nine yards. So oh, that's badass! I could, I'll send you a picture. You could put it as the as the picture for this podcast. Yeah, I'll definitely do that. That's fucking badass. Is it, uh, is it still like the old school straight bolt design or was it like kind of sporterized? 
where it's like no, it's a down. it's a little bit newer where it's, it's angled down. Yeah, it's, okay, yeah, so but it's uh, those old those old school Enfields. I think they still had the straight bolt like way back in the day. Yeah, I'll have to. I need to look. I might have the date on when this one was made, but Dad had it in the gun safe since I could remember, and I asked him one day. I said, "You ever shot that thing?" No, it was Grandpa Sam's, and so. <laughs> Took it to a gunsmith, got the headspace checked, you know, make sure it wasn't going to shrapnel me in the face when I shoot it. So, uh, <laughs> no, it was all good. Got it checked out. And uh, I uh, sighted it in. At, I don't know. I think I shot it out to like 60 or 70 yards with iron sights. And, man, it was a tack driver. Dude, I that put is some, badass. Like, I put some, like, Remington core lock. Like, I think they were 180 grain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 30 odd six rounds in there. And. And I, I told dad, I said, I'm going to shoot one deer with it for, for grandpa and it's going to go back in the safe. So dude, that is so badass. That's cool. Yeah. I was in a, in a tree stand and here comes this big old Missouri doe at like, I don't know. She was probably like 45, 50 yards and I just <laughs> hammered her. <laughs> it was awesome. Dude, I is... was, I was so pumped up. Like I just shot a 180 inch deer. Mm-hmm. That's badass. Yeah, there's some there's something about going out hunting with like old just old rifles. It's just it just seems I don't know, it's just cool. Yeah. I say that I'll never never do it again, but I'll probably, probably do it again. I'll it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. Maybe it, one day I'll let let my, my kids shoot one with it, so Right. Dude that honestly that'd be pretty badass. Yeah. Get a, yeah. Two or three generations under of kills worth of kills underneath that thing would be pretty sweet yeah for sure i i would i need to get it out one day and shoot it at a distance and see you know because it's got that rear side that's a flip up and you can slide it mm-hmm. you know for your for your yardages and i have a feeling it's probably pretty darn accurate yeah i mean i know like guys back in the day like those because those old springfield oh threes that the, they had the same thing, you know, like the flip up sights, like, like that. And you, I know some guys that could shoot those things out like pretty damn far. Yeah. So that'd be, that'd be sweet. You should definitely take it out and shoot it at a yeah. distance and just see what it looks like. I do. I, I need to. But. <laughs> that'd be sweet. I need to, I really want to get into some older guns sometime too. There's, this is cool. Like they're, you you hold on to them, and I'm getting really into like wood, wood stocks too lately. Yeah. So just I don't know something about like you see like a carbon frame gun, you're like that's pretty sweet, you know, it looks cool. But then you see like just a beautiful like Winchester. I feel like Winchester has probably the prettiest rifles that like prettiest production rifles out. I feel like like they're the wood they use and everything else is just they're gorgeous. And there's something about like yeah, that, wood stocks. I'm like that's pretty. For sure, Winchester's top of the game when it comes to wood guns, and then then Henry lever actions—they're just yes, beautiful guns. They I are. mean, just gorgeous. Like I had a, I traded my stepdad for a for a pistol. I had a Henry twenty two lever action with the octagon barrel and Tiger walnut. Oh like, yes, it was it was so beautiful. I didn't even want. I don't even think I shot it. That's it some, was just too too, too beautiful. To, yeah, it's too. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. You know, you you were in the service. I was in the service. Like, a weapon is 
made to serve as a weapon. Like it's, you know, whatever it goes through is whatever it goes through and it keeps on trucking. It doesn't matter if it's got a giant gash out of the side of it. You know, oh, yeah. when you have, when you have a weapon, you use it. Yep. And like that thing, I was like, I can't even take it out from under my bed. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. they're, they are beautiful though. Was it a, it, I'm assuming it was like the, what do they call them? The golden boy. It was a, it had the it, brass it, on it no. and stuff or. No, it was oh, not okay. a gold boy. It was just a blue receiver, but it had the tiger walnut and the yeah. octagon barrel. That's gorgeous. So, so that, that tiger walnut is awesome. Yeah. So, but I really want to get a golden boy sometime <laughs> just to hang up. Like you said, and just look at it and be like, beautiful. Real nice. Yeah. But it, it'd have to be a mantelpiece for me. I could never move it. So. I know I'd have to shoot it just to make sure it shoots and then be like, yep, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of old guns, my stepdad has a Savage Stevens break open double barrel 12 gauge. Oh, and back back. It's not super old, but it's old enough that you can pull both triggers at the same time. <laughs> it doesn't have the like safety over, you know? Yep. And so back when I was, you know, 13 or 14 and thought I was, you know, really something we were <laughs> sighting in, sighting in guns and he brought it because I shot my mouth off and said I was going to pull both triggers at the same time. So I sat on a milk crate and did it and it knocked me clean in the next week, man. It was, <laughs> I'll never do that again. I've never done that. I've always thought about it, but I've never, I never said I've never even had the opportunity. So I've never even, let my curiosity take over. <laughs> it, uh, it'll hit you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so talking about double, uh, double barrels. Um, man, I was reading this, uh, article is a field ethos article and, um, Patrick Hemingway Adams was writing it. He was talking about, um, he was out Cape Buffalo hunting. I think he had, I think it was a 500 nitro express double rifle. I think it was a Kriegoff double rifle they took out there. I think he double tapped. I, I think he double tapped it. <laughs> I think he Jeez. pulled. I don't know if he pulled both triggers at the same time, but I, I, I want to say he pulled them both at the same time on that Kriegoff and freaking shot. Basically, shot two 500 Nitro Expresses right at the same time. Just douche. <laughs> that sounds like a sounds like a bruised shoulder for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, that would not be fun at all. That would just be a, a super unpleasant. I, I feel like shooting a 500 Nitro Express, anyways, would be an, un, an unpleasant experience in itself. So, yes, for sure. What's the biggest caliber you shot? Oh, had to be 50. When 50. I was a 50 gunner. Yeah. No, true. Yeah, definitely. I was a 50 gunner. So, what about in like bolt guns? Bolt guns. Um, probably a seven mil. Seven mil. Yeah. So mine's not too. So mine's just a three hundred wind mag. So yeah. Mine's not too crazy, but I do want. I got. I want to get that thirty five Whalen. I want to get that thirty out six is thirty five Whalen. Which honestly, that's a big caliber, but it's not like a big round. You know, like it's not. Yep. Like, it's not like what you consider a big round. Like a. It's not like a three seventy five H and H or. 416 Rigby or anything like that. Which those, yep. are, those are fucking sweet guns too. I want to get one of them real bad for like dangerous game. 
but yeah, for sure, that'd man. be sweet. So you're a 243 guy through and through. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I would have to be. I, I don't think I could pick a different favorite from the center fire. So. Okay, is that so? Would you say that's your all round favorite? Like, period. From a center fire, I yeah. think so. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So if someone came up to you and was like, Perry, I don't know. I, I, I've never shot guns, but I really want to get into hunting. And I, I'm really looking in for a new, like a, a rifle to get into. What do you think? It'd be I would definitely ask them, you know, what their goals are. You know, are you just wanting to target shoot? Are you wanting to go hunt whitetails? Or are you wanting to go shoot a moose? You know, it's like... You know, if you identify your goals, I can identify you a caliber and gun pretty, pretty easy. But I would say if you're, you know, your average dude that lives in Missouri or Kansas or even Iowa and you want to go shoot coyotes or maybe travel to shoot whitetails or whatever, I I mean, I, I don't think it misses a beat in any of those mm-hmm. so, yeah, categories. If I, I'm just a regular dude living in the Midwest, but I'm, I do plan on going out West every once in a while. But if I go out West, it'd probably be for like mule deer. What'd you say? Uh, I would probably bump you up to 270. Would you? Okay. Yeah. That's fair. You know, if you're going to go shoot, go to go shoot mule deer, you know, if you want to get into the rabbit hole of fad rounds, you know, you could go that route, but it's, but it's also like, you know, you can walk into an ammo store these days mm-hmm. and probably find find two seventy pretty easy. You know, find six eight Western or six five PRC could be a could be a challenge. I think. Yeah. So I've because I've had a few people ask me like, you know, favorite caliber or I want to get into I I want to get a rifle. Like, what do you think? Like these are these are kind of the questions that I've gotten in the past, and I'm really boring. If it's like a if it's a really if it's a normal sized dude, like an average sized guy, then I I'm super boring. I'm like, dude, you're probably gonna want to go with a thirty out six just because of the availability in the in the how cheap the ammo is, and it'll kill everything in North America that you want it to as long as you are hunting within reasonable distances. But I'm like super boring like that where I'm just like, yeah, just grab a thirty out six and go to town just because I with them and have fun with them and shoot them a lot. And if they're a newer shooter and they're just getting into it, then they're probably not reloading. So I don't know. I feel like a 30 out six or two seventy or two forty three. like those older cartridges that have been around for years and years and years. And they're proven time and time again, like they're generally cheaper than like your six, five Creedmoor or PRC. Yeah. All that stuff too. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, no, yeah. I um, I kind of wanted I, pretty much all I really wanted to cover today was just to kind of pick your brain on um, calibers and stuff and see what you were thinking. But uh, I don't want to keep you all night either. I know you're, you're super busy and getting ready for Missouri season and all that stuff. I'm sure Mark has you on a pretty short leash this time of year. Yeah, so. we're pretty busy. <laughs> yeah. so we'll uh, we'll be up meet him. I got to meet him at seven in our building in the morning. So. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, I I really do appreciate you coming on again, Perry. And uh, man, good luck this se- this season. Tell Mark I said hi. Heck yeah, man. <laughs> you too. And and uh, hopefully uh, you you have some success and send me some pictures. Love to see them. Yeah, I will for sure, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on again, man.
Yep. No problem, buddy. All right. We'll catch you in the next one. Peace. <laughs>